Well, we are so excited to be joined on this segment of GA Watch to talk about a recommendation coming before this year's PCUSA General Assembly by Craig Hunter, a teaching elder in Grace Presbytery and a YAV alum who served in Israel-Palestine. Craig, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Craig, thank you for being here. And we're just going to throw out the name of what's what um, y'all are bringing before the assembly. So recognition that Israel's laws, policies, and practices constitute apartheid against the Palestinian people. So yeah, this is just time to tell us what that's about. Tell the people, yeah, what you're bringing before the assembly and anything else you want us to know. So thank you for being here again. Well, thanks again for having me. This uh, This overture is basically stems from uh, exposure to and knowledge of what's actually happening and has been happening on the ground in in Israel-Palestine. As the overture explains in the rationale, uh, our understanding that that Israel's practices meet the legal definition, and this is important, the international legal definition of the crime of apartheid. And so this is not very, you know, just I don't like this, or it's very much about what does the law say, because there are international laws regarding the crime of apartheid. And and as this document shows, drawing largely on previous General Assembly overtures, um, not exclusively, but largely on previous General Assembly overtures, that is the So this this overture is really about truth-telling, and that is one of our, our uh, callings as a church. It's one of the uh, six great ends of the church, the preservation of the truth, because if you don't properly diagnose the an issue, uh, you're not going to be able to treat it very well, and I think that's been a major problem in the world and in the American Christian community and in our denomination um, regarding Israel-Palestine for for many years is that we have not properly seen what is going on there. And I think too often, and I've been involved in this work for over 20 years. I served in from 1999 to 2000 as for a year in Bethlehem. And so I've been involved in this in a long time, for a long time. And too often, I think uh, Presbyterians and many others see this conflict as primarily between the lens of two people who, you know, kind of can't get along. You know, they have these psychological barriers that that they need some help overcoming. Um, while not entirely wrong, that's really not the that's not at the root of the conflict. The root of this is a system. It's not about good guys and bad guys. It's not about Israelis or Palestinians or Jews being good people or bad people. It's not about that. Um, it is about naming a system that systematically privileges one group of people over another group of people, not just de facto, um, but de jure, uh, in other words, not just in practice, but in the law, in the law itself. So both in practice and in the law. And so as people are thinking about apartheid, I think, you know, a helpful example of previous in previous history is was in South Africa. And the sort of I guess that's where the term sort of came to be coined by mm-hmm. the international community in order to describe what was happening. And and I believe also, and if you, as you were saying, if you talk to members of, say, the UN and the international community, there are people that will use the term apartheid 
And so what you're saying is that this is not a uh, this is not a term that's people are making up. These are there's historical precedent to describe what is happening in Israel Palestine currently. Yes, I mean this is not a slur. It's a it's a truth. It's 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 a fact. You know the the international history around the crime of apartheid. Um, it makes it clear that it. it and this is something that I think some people get stumped on, which it can be apartheid without looking exactly the way South Africa's apartheid looked, because what, what is the case in Israel-Palestine does not look exactly the way that South Africa's apartheid looked. You know, in South Africa, I've never been to South Africa. You know, it was very it was kind of very visible. But but at the core of apartheid is not about which drinking fountains people can use. It's about the laws and the resources and who has rights and how the resources are allocated, not just in practice again, but in, in according to the law. And so that is exactly what's going on in Israel. It's been going on for quite a while, um, but it's become even more clear in uh, recent years. You know, I was I spoke as an overture advocate in 2014 to another overture that um, uh, basically named Israel's practices as apartheid, um, you know that that overture failed by one vote in committee before it went on to fail by a larger margin on the floor. But that was eight years ago, and a lot has happened since then. This overture was brought for the 2020 assembly. Of course, it was you know tabled as with most of the business because of the pandemic. But in the two years since this overture first came. You know, several important things have happened. Last year, Human Rights Watch, one of the most respected, you know, human rights organizations in the world, came out with a report saying this meets the crime, the international definition of the crime of apartheid. Um, B'Tselem, Israel's own largest and most prominent human rights organization, came out with the same thing, saying this is apartheid. And then, then it's been, it seems like the, the, the floodgates have opened and you've had more and that's been, so if, if we had been able to pass this two years ago, in a sense, we would have been ahead of the curve. Now we're kind of more firmly in the middle of the curve because last year, the UCC, United Churches of Christ, became the first denomination to say this meets the definition of apartheid. Um, this year, Amnesty International came out with a long, I think, 270-something page report saying this is apartheid in the last month, Harvard Law School. So it's become, now it's become part of a chorus. And, um, you know, we were an early vote voice on this, even though it didn't pass eight years ago. But it's in, in terms of pushing for this, this is something that is not new within our denomination, but we're hearing more and more, more voices, both from other churches and from human rights organizations. So a lot of the time when these things go before General Assembly, specifically when it, you know, when we're, you know, putting putting forth like we recognize this as something or we're like making a statement, many people may see that as just like, oh, this is just a bunch of words that we want to to put in the record, but maybe give people an idea of like what this would mean if this were to pass the General Assembly. What would it mean if this is called? What would it mean if if this passes and we do recognize, you know, things that are happening in Israel as apartheid? What th- would that mean for the denomination? I think it would mean several things for several groups. 
So speaking first for the denomination, I think it, it as I alluded to before, it basically says it is our, it's our understanding now as a denomination that this is the reality of what is going on. And so I think in terms of internal, in other words, within the denomination education and policy, that's very important because it's basically prodding Presbyterians to say, this is a more helpful and more accurate way of understanding what is actually going on. So, you know, this idea that you have two people who can't go along, that's not that that's not that helpful and it's not that accurate because what you're talking about is a system of oppression regardless of the good people or bad people in it, it's about this system. And so that so there's an internal kind of educational message within the denomination that um, that I think a lot of Presbyterians still need to still need to hear. We have a lot of education to do within our own um, denomination. Secondly, I think it sends a message outside of our denomination to others in this country and other abroad, other denominations, other human rights organizations. It says that this is a this is what we see. We are involved in this struggle. We care. You know, the the movement against South African apartheid was in many ways a church led movement. And so if we're going to be if we care about, for example, racism in this country, which I think we do and we should, you know, many of the the movement for black lives and other um, activists in this country have said our struggle is related to the struggle over in Israel, Palestine. So it's hard to say we care about racism and then turn our backs on apartheid when it's not just that it's something that's happening over there. It's something that it's happening over there that wouldn't happen without American support. You know, that's because of America's role with Israel. It it wouldn't happen without American support. So, so giving a kind of encouraging message to others who are working on this issue in this country and last but not least, and this actually may be the most important is I think it gives a message of solidarity with the oppressed. In this case, the Palestinians, it's saying, we hear you. And we stand with you. And I mean, I think that's a fundamental calling of followers of Christ is to stand with the oppressed and to do so in a way that doesn't demonize the oppressor. I mean, this isn't about demonizing anybody. It's about calling, speaking the truth. Um, but in doing that, we are you know, cutting through basically the, the misinformation and saying this is what it is. In, a, I, in a, you know, a few general assemblies ago, you know, we received the denomination received the, the letter from the National Christian Council, the National Christian Churches of Palestine, you know, and they they mentioned that they're suffering from apartheid. So, um, you know, we're hearing their voice. And I think that that may be the most important thing is to say you're not alone. Well, I think you have outlined uh, very well, both the rationale behind the overture, as well as the context and the driving sort of impetus for for why folks should be paying attention to this to this recommendation. And so we hope that folks will check it out. We'll be sure to put a link to the recommendation in the show notes so people can see that. And, uh, you know, we'll pray that people will discern about, you know, about this recommendation um, at the General Assembly. And Craig, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you again for having me. It's it's my pleasure. 
So thanks again for listening to another episode of GA Watch. And of course, if you want to know more about what's going on at GA, if you want to know about other overtures and resolutions, check out pcbiz.org. That's pc-biz, B-I-Z. And there you can find all the things you need about the 225th General Assembly. And again, we are also dropping episodes every Thursday still. And so check those out. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a question, send it to fatepodcast at peaceusa.org. Until Thursday, we will talk to you then. So until then.